Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class, Talking Politics. Your host, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and around the world in Arut Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. And, you know, we talk, we say, you know, morning of political talk, Phil, but as we literally watch on the screen the rivers, not the, not rivers in rivers, but literally rivers throughout interstate highways, rivers throughout streets, rivers everywhere as you go, into Houston, it's it's just it brings back memories of five years ago, Superstorm Sandy. Brings back memories of Katrina, which I think was eleven or twelve years ago. And you know, this is a big test right now for this administration. But it's also on the ground on a personal level for so many people out there. It, it's real. It's real. You can't imagine it happening until it actually happens to you. And it brings back you know so many of the debates that we have. But I know. Uh, you wanted to kick off with a with a more personal message, so go ahead. Hey, Michael. Thanks so much. Good morning, and uh, and we're going to talk a, a lot about Hurricane Harvey and what it means to us and to the community. But I uh, I had the, the the distinct privilege and honor of serving uh, with uh, Assemblyman Joe Morelli uh, from Rochester up in Albany, and very very sad news that his daughter Lauren um, passed away after her battle with uh, with cancer. Um, she was only thirty one, a mother of two, and. You know, there's no greater person, you know, elected officials um, work very hard on behalf of the people, but nobody does it with a, a greater joy than uh, Joe Morelli. Um, Joe Morelli is, is somebody who who literally represents everybody all the time. And at the same time in the last few years has been, you know, fighting alongside his daughter. Um, and, and unfortunately, yesterday we got the news that his daughter passed away. Just a, a great inspiration. I mean, her literally her messages, she had a, a Facebook page dedicated just to not fighting cancer, not just beating cancer, but sort of sharing the positivity that surrounds uh, dealing with such a terrible disease. And uh, and she was so positive and such an inspiration to all of us in the assembly. Joe would come in and, and, and talk about the stories or, or talk about the latest sort of uh, battle that was overcome. And, and unfortunately, uh, she's moved on. And uh, our thoughts and our prayers um, are with uh, Joe Morelli up in Rochester. And uh, we wish him only the best. I mean, there's no there's really nothing to say. You know, these these situations are always so difficult because what do you say to a father who lost his daughter? But um, Joe's uh, an inspiration. Uh, he raised an amazing, amazing daughter who's in a better place watching over all of us. And uh, it's unfortunate. And I just, uh, I guess on behalf of both of us, Michael, I just want to wish him the absolute best and, and comfort in these difficult days that are ahead. Yeah. Joe Borelli, a classy guy. And no question, it's a, it's a tough loss for anybody. Um, Phil, what's going on out there? It's... It's just, it's it's devastating. I mean, it's just, it's incredible when you think about it. Firstly, the hurricane, but 50 inches of rain, uh, and, and Houston's a pretty low-lying city. I mean, literally built on swamps and bayous, et, et cetera. I, I mean, we see, there's so many of the questions now, you know, I'd like to just discuss this morning. Number one is the response, you know, is this an opportunity or, or a minefield for the president? Number two is flooding. I mean, we and we have this here in our own neighborhood where where we live uh overbuilding and potential flooding and where does the war go and you know as governments you know how do you deal with that um you know how do you deal with the optics of it i mean president flies in he flies out he says it's should he go should he be there and uh we see that we also now have this texas new york dynamic that most of the texas delegation voted against money for new yorkers for Sandy, and I have to say, in a classy move, you know, our own Congressman Pete King basically said, "I don't care. I'm still going to vote for you because we're all Americans. We all have to pitch in together." Would be nice if some of the other people, even as a Republican, I can say this: that 
some of the other Republicans out there should be a little more cognizant of the need for federal intervention when it happens. This is what the government is for to pitch in. Now, people, it's also for people, and we see that going on in Houston, an incredible amount of volunteerism uh, out there. But it's really incredible when you think about uh, some of the questions that these natural disasters come up. And, you know, you were on the front lines there, literally, I think, you know, as a, as a, as a young optimist back then when, when Sandy hit, you know, recently elected to office and boom, you're right in the middle of it. So, you know, it's funny. And as I watch the the pictures and I know looking at the pictures as, as devastating as it looks in Houston, I know that the pictures and the videos that you see just don't do it justice. I mean, it's, this is actually really hard to watch because it brings me back to that October 29th, about five years ago when the water started rushing into my own house and, and I, I left and I evacuated my house and ended up in the police station and watched what I think we're starting to see now, families helping families, neighbors helping neighbors, strangers helping strangers, people from across the country who are stepping in to help uh, communities across Houston and across Texas that are suffering. I know uh, we sent a delegation from Rockaway to go assess, to assess the situation and see what they can do to help. I know that so many more are planning to go uh, next week as things settle down just to do, I think, what so many of us know what is going to be a very long recovery. You go to... To, to families in Katrina 11, 12 years later are still trying to recover. Their communities are still trying to come back. I can tell you that families five years after Sandy who are still not back in their homes, still waiting for their homes to be fixed or rebuilt, but those are still the first ones who are on the front line to give to families in Houston. Why? Because they understand it. They understand, number one, what the people of Houston need, uh, and number two, what it means to show love and caring um, to communities now who are in absolute desperation. I mean, what was so fascinating about Sandy was that when you left Rockaway and you left Howard Beach and you went into Kew Garden Hills or into Ozone Park or into Forest Hills, it was like nothing happened. They had no idea. They had no idea what was going they, they on. They were able to buy gas. And and my my guess is, is there are families around Houston, around Texas. You know, you go to Dallas and I'm sure, again, outside of the people who are rushing in to help. But people who are going about their daily lives like, okay, you know, we're moving along. Yeah, it's sad what's going on in, in, in Houston, but it's, we don't feel it. I can tell you that in Rockaway, the scariest part for us was we thought we were all alone, right? This idea that you're abandoned, you're all alone. We're seeing, you know, thousands of people be rescued, thousands of, in, of human interactions. But what about the tens of thousands of people who are not, like, interacting with others, who really know nothing else of the fact that they abandoned their house they went to a shelter, and now they've been in a shelter for three days. What's next for that family? When do they go back to their house? And so, this, you know, we understand what it what it means, what it needs. I mean, I remember I, I kept saying to all the people who would call me, whether it was a reporter or or others who are outside the community, colleagues who are calling to support, and they said, you know, Phil, tell us what it's all about. What is like? What's going on with Sandy? And I said, I can send you a picture. I can send you a video. But unless you were here. Unless you are witnessing the human anguish, the, the desperation, you can't possibly fathom uh, the amount of damage, not just physically, but also emotionally and mentally. And so our hearts and our thoughts are with the people of Houston. And we have, a obviously, on the political side, um, we have a lot to talk about. But I encourage everybody to find an organization and, and give. I know here, Achiezer is, is already collecting together with uh, Seasons and, and so many other organizations have come together to set up a collection. There's a convoy of trucks that are leaving on Monday. So over the next three days, please get the information. No little, there, there's nothing that's too little, right? There's absolutely nothing that is too little. If it's $5, if it's $10, together it makes a tremendous amount. And there's a convoy of trucks that is heading down 
um, to Houston. I intend to be there, God willing, next week to, 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 to coordinate and welcome those trucks. And so I think it's important that everybody find a way to get involved. And, you know, it's this is something that I like I think for most of us we've been through. And so uh, it's our responsibility to step up. And so with that, I, I, I know there's a, a couple of political things that sort of crept its way into into to hurricane relief. And so, you know, well, I should point out just the you know, unfortunately, the a lot of the Orthodox community in Houston lives in a very low lying area right along a bayou, um, and you know it's it's pretty clear that they were flooded. Uh, they've been flooded, from what I understand, like three times in the last couple of years. Some people had just rebuilt their houses. For I remember, you know, giving money for uh for uh some of the the flooding that they got I, I don't know it was maybe two years ago and you know now you have it again and this is actually a, a mega flood like you wouldn't believe but literally there's a bayou that runs along the highway there where a couple of the synagogues are so it's just uh that area has been very heavily hit and I think you, know, you, you can't imagine it happening. I mean, remember, we, we, we were here, Sandy, we're sitting here, there was no power, there were no street lights, there was no gas. I mean, it was hard to get food for a lot of people. I mean, just literally the basics. And when your house is flooded, nothing is salvageable. I mean, unless it's, you know, it, it, unless it's on the you know, second floor, I mean, you literally have to throw everything, you know, hundreds of, of items, if not hundreds of pounds of items out. And it's just... It's just devastating. It's an. I take it a step further. You know, you have to take. You know, once the water recedes and you throw away your belongings and you throw away your couches and your desks and your personal belongings, what you don't realize is the house could look fine, but what's going on behind the walls? The walls literally have to be torn out. Uh, the insulation behind the walls have to be torn out. I mean, there is so much devastation that water causes. I, I tell you an interesting story. I after Sandy. Um, if you recall in April after Sandy, there was a devastating tornadoes that hit Oklahoma. And so I traveled to Oklahoma and met with uh, members of government in Oklahoma to talk about what they can expect. And, you know, sort of sadly, I had become an, an, an expert in natural disasters. And what was interesting was as devastated as they were, they made the point to me. And I remember uh, Representative Paul Wesselhoff uh, of Moore County, Oklahoma, who made the point to me, says, look, Phil, you know, Tornadoes are tough and, and we're going to get through this. But the truth is, is that you can see the damage a tornado causes. You can literally physically see a home is devastated or destroyed or, or broken or damaged. He said, with floods, you don't see that, right? When a flood comes in, the flood goes out. It's sort of what they say, the, the silent devastation, because you really don't see all the damage. And unfortunately, if, it le if left unaddressed, as so many families here uh, in Southern Queens and Long Island know, left unaddressed, it turns into devastating mold that can have impacts for many years to come. And so um, it's, it's, very, it's, it's a very difficult situation. I know that uh, members of the Jewish community are dealing. I can tell you that my brother is down there right now with a delegation um, focusing on just, you know, sort of not just the immediate needs in terms of whether they need food and clothing, but also in the, the long term, what do people have to be prepared with in terms of their homes and electric? If you recall, I think one of our biggest problems, our power was out for 12 days without any indication on I think it was longer than, as far as I remember, I thought it was longer than 12. But. I know I was 12. I know their Breezy Point was much longer than 12. I mean, certain areas were different. I know my home in, in Far Rockaway was 12. But for 12 days, we had no direction. Nobody came right. in and said, listen, well, here's and you, how it's And you work. had more information than most people. Right. 
And right, that's exactly right. And I was on the front lines, right? I was in, I was interacting with Lipa at the time. We couldn't get anything, and we couldn't get information. And so I know that uh, Baruch Bear Bender and my brother and, and other experts who are, have been through this devastation are actually there right now, coordinating with the leadership in the Houston community, and and we're hopeful to continue to help and to continue to do more. But this is just another perfect way to plug. Please find a way to help. Uh, there are organizations who are collecting money, reputable organizations that are collecting money. Um, if you have goods, if you have money, you can drop them off, I think, by any season's location. Uh, please take a moment and do so. We understand more than anybody what devastation and what this devastation means to families on the ground. And so it's so important that we do more to help um, and give back to those in need. Yeah, it's... All right. Well, back to politics then. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't stress enough, obviously, how important it is to pitch in for other people. And I think actually we've seen it that an incredible amount of volunteerism, even amongst Texans. Uh, I mean, one story that I thought was quite incredible that I saw was a furniture store owner who opened up his chain of furniture stores to people as a shelter and said, come, I've got beds, I've got couches, just come and just, you know, just come there. And, uh, you know, it just it's it's stories like that that are that are just, you know, incredible people step up and, you know, they they asked for boat owners to come and and help. And people came with boats to rescue people. I mean, a lot of questions obviously out there. Can Houston could it could it should have been evacuated evacuated. Houston is, I think, I don't know, four or five times the size of New Orleans. It's it's uh, it's an incredibly large, sprawling city, literally built on different on on marshland on swamp reclaimed swamp and you know another another question for how we deal with it but this is a big test for the president and uh, so far I, as far as images are concerned as far as optically he has portrayed the image of somebody who's in charge on twitter visually he's out there i mean there are things that he said that i've found to be a little bit you know perhaps slightly insensitive but that's just his way you know there's been a little bit of bombast and bluster when he goes to there and says oh we have a great crowd here um that was a little bit odd a little bit of a head scratcher but he went he was there he was present he showed at command and i think that that's kind of you know uh, trump has that idea that he can do that um and can be um and can be that guy so uh but you know, at the same time, there were some. I think there were some missteps this week. Well, I, you know, before we get to that, I, you know, it's funny because no one, as you well know, when people need help, and with your years of, of dedication to organizations, when people need help, you step in, right? You just open your doors, you step in. The owner of the mattress, uh, the furniture store, who literally said, "Come, I've got beds. Come, feel free to sleep." On the other end, you have people like Joel Osteen, who literally had a facility that can house thousands, who said. You know, who didn't open his doors, who said nothing and kept his doors of Houston, his Houston church, his mega church in Houston locked. And here's the kicker. I mean, you're waiting for something to happen. And he goes on the news yesterday to say, well, we weren't asked by the city to open up our doors. That's what we call in Twitter world a fail, right? An epic fail. You weren't told to open your doors. Families, your congregants arguably needed help. You make millions of dollars a year from a church people in your community needed help and you literally kept your doors locked um what a shame i mean storms well the idea that you have to wait to be asked that's the problem right that i have to wait it's it you should be saying how can i help how can what can i do everybody should be asking themselves what can they do not let me see if somebody calls upon me i should wait for the phone call i should have enough you know so much pride that i should say well i need to be i need a special invitation you know it's like all the time when you say do you need a special invitation 
What? It's an absolute disgrace. I mean, the storms and devastation like this brings out the absolute best in people. We're seeing it. I mean, you can't turn on the news or listen to the news without hearing of a story of a miraculous savior or somebody who was literally just on his way from point A to point B and stopped and saved a family in between. I mean, everybody is sort of stepping outside their comfort zone and just sort of doing. And then on the flip side, you have somebody like Joel Osteen who basically says, eh, I don't want to help unless I'm asked or unless I have to. I don't want to help. And it's an absolute disgrace. Well, and, of course, I mean, and, and the church has room, seats 16,000 people. 16,000 people, right? right? 16,000 people. 16,000 people. Disgrace. And so to be critical, uh, as I normally am of this president, look, I, I absolutely think, you know, interestingly enough, I heard I was listening uh, to the president's comments, his first comments after, you know, after being in Texas. And I said, okay. Look, it's not I style. This president is never going to speak in the way in which I want him to or way I, the way I think a president should. He's absolutely not going to be that guy. So I don't have a problem that he was talking about the size of the crowd that's here or, or anything else. I don't. The style is just something that we're going to have to get over at this point. Um, and I was a bit frustrated to listen to certain uh, personalities on cable news who were picking apart. He didn't show enough empathy. He didn't do this. Folks. You know, and and to my to my friends in the media, like that is just who he is. That is not going to change. However, right? What's so funny to me, and I I first noticed uh, by a friend who posted on Facebook, there is no end to the old tweets of Donald Trump that will come back right. to bite him in the butt. <laughs> I mean, there's just absolutely no end because you could say we finally turned the corner on this presidency, right? Something like this, uh, a hurricane like Harvey, is a an opportunity. It's an opportunity to almost, you know, I don't want to say erase what's happened before, but an opportunity to prove that you are the leader of this country, this divided country that's going to work together for the people of Houston, for the people who are devastated. It's a good opportunity. And yet, we're able to go back and look at the tweets of President Trump, now President Trump, then, you know, businessman and, and President Obama critic Trump, who tweeted during Hurricane Sandy. And Michael, if you can, what did... President Trump, now President Trump, tweet during Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, so two tweets uh, caught my eye. And yeah, it, this is definitely a window. I mean, and it's actually unclear at the time, believe it or not. I mean, I know he disliked Obama, but Donald Trump could certainly have been identified at the time as as a Democrat. Um, so it's a, you know unclear how partisan this was. Um, but one tweet on October 30th, not only giving out money, but Obama will be seen today standing in water and rain like he is a real president. Don't fall for it. I'm not even sure exactly what that means, but you know, in a time you want actually, I mean, I was, I was here. This is the day after the the the, the superstorm stand, superstorm standy, and I, even as a Republican, wanted help from the president. And then the next tweet, the next day, Obama is now standing in a puddle, acting like a president. Give me a break. Um, it's. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't even understand. By the way, you know, and, and sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. If, if, and I remember this vividly. You know, President Obama, when he flew into New York City, flew into Staten Island, which I don't have to tell you is a borough of Republicans. Okay? Right. And Barack and they welcomed him. Republicans and Democrats alike welcomed him. Well, and he why? went to New Jersey, and Chris Christie welcomed him. Right. And, and why is that? Right. And Chris Christie, I think, made those comments that actually got him into trouble. Like he praised right. uh, President Obama's but, but, response. But hurricanes at the time were supposed to all come together. That's the point. And who was the one person during Hurricane Sandy that refused? That basically minimized the suffering of our families, who minimized the work of the president, and that was none other than Donald Trump. 
And so I hate to say this, for all the good that he's doing right now, he's a fraud. He's an absolute fraud. Because for him to criticize, and, and I think you, you said it just right, a fellow Democrat, Barack Obama, during Hurricane Sandy in New York City, by the way, Many of his buildings, many of his properties were impacted. All of downtown Manhattan was underwater. And this is a man who, you know, Wall Street was affected, who should have appreciated the, the, the magnitude of the storm. And it was his opportunity to tweet against the president. Well, who, by the way, actually did a pretty good job. I don't want to discuss President Trump's blind spots. There are many. Okay, I think forget about. It. Let's talk about golf for a second. Criticizing, I mean, he criticized Obama for playing. He's played more golf than any. But there's clearly a disconnect. There's clearly a blind spot here. And whatever tweets happened, they happened. It's it functionally right now. He is at least for a thinly staffed government. Okay, that means without a Secretary of Homeland Security, without many people in place uh, or key people in key positions. Right now, we are actually seeing a significant governmental response on many levels to this. I mean, right, we don't have, I mean, immediately 24,000 National Guard troops on the ground. They're sending in Marines. They're sending in, it, we haven't seen that we, like we saw in Sandy and Katrina, a lack of equipment, a lack of manpower, a lack of, you know, it, yes, the, the, the natural devastation is much more than expected, but at the same time, I don't know that we're see we're not seeing the pictures of the people on rooftops not being rescued or people just kind of walking through that you saw in New Orleans. That I think that that whatever is happening is working. Whoever is getting credit for that and whoever isn't. But you mentioned we mentioned Chris Christie before. Um, you know he's been on TV nonstop. Say you know for a guy whose approval ratings are probably in the single digits as governor of the la of you know in his, in his twilight months. It's quite incredible now. I mean, he has you know command, and he's actually taking it to other Republicans. I mentioned beforehand, uh, attacking them for not supporting. Uh, you know, Ted Cruz goes on. Well, he says, well, there was too much pork in the Sandy bill, so therefore we didn't. Totally ridiculous. I mean, talk about rewriting history, and that seems to be the party line for most of the Texas uh, people. There was tons of other stuff in there. I, Chris Christie is having none of it, thankfully. Guys, got guys got nothing to lose. Might as well go after. Ted Cruz, tell the truth, but it's the blunt talking Chris Christie. That's the guy we missed. That's the guy I wanted for all these years. This is, I mean, this is Chris Christie's wheelhouse. I mean, this is what he's good at. He's, he is, look, no one's ever said he is not a, a, a strong leader, especially in a crisis. I mean, he's proved that time and time again. Um, a lot of missteps, a lot of political missteps, uh, a lot of mistakes over the years, but, but this is his comfort zone, and I, I give him all the credit in the world. Um, and you're hearing that, you know, from me, right? I give him all the credit. Well, look, Phil, you you were he sitting there. It. I mean, people like it or not, you're an assemblyman. You represent a devastated area. You're trying to get stuff done. You don't control it, right? How do you experience trying to rely on others to get stuff done, and people blaming you when it doesn't get done? There, look, it's a crazy. It's so a crazy situation to be in. Yeah, that, look, that's the problem. There's no win, right? When people are struggling, and I remember this. There was a uh, on Beach 100 and. Uh, on Beach 131st Street um, was the first block which I saw organized in Bell Harbor. And what they did was the community, the, the block as a whole, came together and said, every day at 1 o'clock we're going to have a meeting. And everybody will share what they've learned in the last 24 hours, and then we'll go on. And every single day at 1 o'clock we're having a meeting. Um, and I remember going to, like, I think it was the, day, the second day after the storm, or the third day, and I had already like found some FEMA officials, and I already found some people to bring to share more information. And like some, you, you could just tell, like, 
there was no way to make everybody happy. I mean, look, there's no way to make anybody happy in a disaster like this, but there's no winners here because everybody is struggling with something different. And this is, I said this all throughout Sandy, and I, I'm, I know this is what people in Houston are saying, is that every single person's struggle is different. Every single, every person's problems are different. This one has kids. This one has a dog. This one has his electric. This one has his plumbing. This one has sheetrock. This one is, is insurance. This is a bank. I mean, there's literally... 480 different ways that there could be problems and challenges on the ground. And it's impossible in the short term to think that we're going to solve them all. Now, the challenge is because human nature for us is, okay, I'll tear out some walls. I'll put up some new sheetrock and life will go on as normal. Five years after Sandy and there's so many communities that are still not back as normal. And so I think that what I would say to people right out of the gate this is going to be a long process. Right. You've got to put that in people's well, minds. Well, also the way gonna be the process. way the government does does the reconstruction is just so ridiculous. I mean, the way New York City did it, I don't want to get into the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just in, in, rebuilding or putting houses up on stilts that are worth almost nothing instead of just giving people money to knock down their house and rebuild uh, on their own. I mean, the, the idea that government continues to spend more money because they... Th- some bureaucrat thinks that this makes sense. I mean, literally, you have bungalows. You're still in the Rockaways and in Long Beach. You know, houses that are worth, you know, to, to, their reconstruction value is probably $200,000. You spend $500,000 to put it up on stilts. Overall, the project's going to cost a million dollars, and the house is still going to be worth $200,000 at the end. It's it's unbelievable when you think of, of the way government reacts to to this and because a bureaucrat would rather do the work himself in most cases than just give people money yeah, and but, you know really they should act more like an insurance company but just to, to, to go back to this idea of and I, I say I give blame both sides you know you listen to MSNBC or, or CNN and it's they're they're poking apart of how lack of empathy and on uh, and how they're talking about the heels and Melania's heels which we could we should talk oh, about yes, you know? the heels she wore heels to, 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 to devastating areas well, no, no. She wore heels on, I think, two. The trip to get on, right? Where were the heels? The heels were on. The heels were on the whole time. I'm. I, I now. I'm trying to remember. Uh, okay. You know, what? it doesn't matter. But it doesn't. The- it doesn't matter. But that bothered. But that in of itself, you know, seriously. I mean, it, it's like, can is are we at a point? Is that the president of the first lady can do no right, no matter what you want to nitpick, you want to find something that's wrong with what they do. And so I exactly, agree, I exactly agree with you. I think it's wrong. And I was actually like, you know, my stomach turned as we're picking apart what the president said. Like, again, we've got to just accept the fact that that's who he is and that's how he speaks and let's move on. But then, by the way, and you flip the channel to Fox News, oh, what a great president. He's shown leadership like never before. Enough. Enough. Enough on both sides. You're both wrong. You're both irrelevant. And quite frankly, it's it's not necessary to do, especially during a disaster. No one needs to declare victory and no one needs to get the credit and no one needs to say, oh, the president is doing better than anybody's ever done or enough. enough. Let, let's, let's help the people who need help. Let's respond to this disaster. And in two years, in three years, in five years, in six years, we can actually talk about what went right and what went wrong, or at least in a month, right. give it more than a few days. Right. I mean, to talk about who's the champion of the recovery. The only thing, and I, as I said, I started off by saying I think the president so far 
so good. I think he's actually showing whether or not he actually went. See, he made some comments about crowd size and that's just him. Did he meet with actual victims? They say people criticize. I mean, that's just him again. That's not what he's there for. He's there to 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 give uh, support to the first responders, and 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 people do feel support from that. And that's no question. The people out there who are volunteering, or they're or they're actually first responders, they do feel support from the fact that the president came. I think what actually is important here is. I mean, the, the one tweet that bothered me was actually in in the all these tweets about Harvey. He talks about a plug for Sheriff Clark from Wisconsin's book. I mean, that was absurd. I mean, that's you know, this is usual stream of consciousness. But you know what has what has really um, what has really kind of crystallized it for me right now is that he doesn't seem to have this idea that there are multiple. Or at least he, he, this realization that there's multiple crises going on, and you could be subsumed with North Korea and everything else that's going on in the world, Russia. There's all these things that are going on, and they're going to continue to go on, and these things are going to come up as well. And you can't just government is extraordinarily complicated. Being president of the United States is extraordinarily complicated, and you know we don't even remember the Afghanistan speech from last week. You know, it's just uh, and the the fallout from that, and you know, there's just a lot going on, and of course, who remembers Charlottesville at this point? Nobody remembers Charlottesville. You know, we had a, a brief moment this week with Gary Cohn, you know, talking about giving an interview, saying he disagreed with the president and he needs to do more, and apparently, it's possible that you know we're, we're hearing that Gary Cohn might be frozen, frozen out now. And I mean, and the you can't we can't ignore the Rex Tillerson comments where right. he basically said the president um, speaks for himself. This president speaks for himself, right? Think about that. The Secretary of State was distancing himself from the President of the United States. I mean, it's unheard of. You know, we talk about making history. It's absolutely unheard of. And, and well, like, you know, it's on a personal basis. You know, leave that. Leave that. Um, but in all of this, by the way, that's the that's the opportunity that currently exists for the President, right? The storm is the opportunity to sort of forget that, right? We now all have to step up. Forget all the petty differences, Democrat, Republican, you like me, you don't like me. You like the way I tweet, you don't like the way I tweet. Right now is an opportunity and we are missing it. The president is missing it, his administration is missing it. And I hate to say, pundits on every side are missing it. There's an opportunity to come together and stop talking about the heels and stop talking right. about was he actually there, was he not actually there? None of it matters. None of there, it matters. There are people who are struggling who need help and that's our responsibility. Uh, ab absolutely. Our spin award of the week uh, is going to Sebastian Gorka. Uh, who recently departed from the administration, kind of uh, uh, seems to be some dispute as to whether he was fired or whether he resigned. He said he resigned. Everybody else in the White House seems to say he was fired. Uh, what puzzled me about Gorka, and I don't even know what to make of the whole Hungarian Nazi association, it doesn't even matter to me as far as that, is the fact that the guy basically had no job. He was a national security aide without security clearance, so therefore he couldn't do any national security. And, of course, he spins it as if, in his resignation letter, as that the president president betrayed the principles on which he was elected through his Afghanistan speech, through the globalism, through et cetera, et cetera. Well done. Uh, I think he was actually an outstanding performer on television. I think he's going to have a great TV career wherever he lands because he is one tough guy when you uh, when you get him into an argument. But uh, certainly, I think I'm going to give him as a parting gift uh, that spin award of the week. He did a great job uh, with that for making the most of his being fired. Uh, that's it for this week. Phil, hopefully next week we'll have better news and uh, perhaps you'll be back from Houston by then. Uh, we will see you next week here on the Nachum Seal Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.